Off the ball. He is desperate to beat Shearer's record. There's no doubt about that. If he does beat Shearer's record, that record may last forever. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. We're turning our attention back to the Champions League final. Delighted to say Martin Lipton is with us. Martin, good morning to you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Um, the the response to Manchester City's treble is very different from my memory of the response to uh, Manchester United's treble. And maybe it's because the manner of the final in, in Barcelona was so spectacular. But it's almost like this was expected. And so people kind of had a lot of their thoughts preformed. And it does feel as if the asterisk of the charges that Manchester City are facing is is much more foregrounded in the response to and the analysis of the game than maybe would have been the case previously. What's your instinct about that? Why is, why is that the case? Or am I right about that? Well, I think it depends who you support. Well, if you're a Manchester City fan, you think that's a complete nonsense. You just want to celebrate the triumph. Rival fans uh, and others will always point to it. It is a fact, whether we like it or not, whether City like it or not, more, more pertinently, that they still face 115 charges from the Premier League. It's also a fact, I think, that we're unlikely to see any end of that process for three years. So people are going to have to get used to it. Um, but you're right. I think there is a, a degree of scepticism over the manner in which City have, have gone about their business off the field. At the same time, on the field, everyone recognises uh, how fantastic they are as a team. I mean, that was probably their, one of their worst performances of the season on Saturday night. Uh, but they still won. And and I, as I said last time I was on the show, or certainly recently, you know, they won the treble the day they beat Real Madrid because they were that was, the, that was their last test and they passed it with flying colours. And in fact, they haven't really played very well since they beat Real Madrid. But over the season, they've been outstanding. At the same time, without question, fingers are and will continue to be pointed. In a weird way, and maybe it's not that weird, but as the success becomes more embedded the conversation ratchets up in terms of the level of attention and scrutiny uh, that the Chargers are going to bring. And, and um, I do wonder sometimes if maybe there's a, an impact when... Um, so I was, I was trying to think of this in the, in the context of the European Super League and how, you know, if, if City had really had their way, ultimately, five or six years ago, there would have been a European Super League. But now the European champions are like, well, hang on, we're not, we're not going to... We've got to keep the, the, the importance of the... European Cup, it's such a uh, such an important, historic, valuable thing. Um, and we end up talking about this instead of the football. It, it's quite funny. I mean, what I would say is that City were not one of the guiding forces of Super League. They were, when that came about two, two or so years ago, they were very much late adopters. Uh, both them and, and Chelsea were the last two to come in and also the first two to get out. At that point, of course, you, you, they were using the threat earlier than that as part of their legal case against UEFA because they just deploy the heavy artillery. I mean, you, you do fear that City would get a QC on, or Casey as it is now, on you if you, you know, ha- had a minor dispute about branding with the club. I mean, they don't, they don't mess around. They go with the heavy artillery. Since the Super League debacle uh, and since the resolution of the case, what's really interesting is the bridges that have been built between UEFA and Manchester City. You wouldn't know that from the fans who are still turning their back on the anthem and booing it and all this sort of nonsense. 
at the highest level of the club, they're more embedded and on, on in line with UEFA and the ECA, the European Club Association, now than they have ever been. Were you surprised by the by the um, nature of the performance itself, Martin? Given, well, I guess I guess given the pressure that's on the game, you can understand it. But I mean, the setup from City and and, and I guess the chances that Inter were allowed was that surprising? I think the surprise to me was to see Manchester City looking like a nervous football team, which we haven't done for a very long time. The weight of the previous failure, particularly the final against Chelsea, the pressure of expectation, the knowledge that if they lost, it would be they'd thrown it away and and they'd be to blame. And that was quite interesting because it, it definitely had an adverse impact on them. And the, the fear for everybody else is that the next time they play in a final, which could well be this time next year in, at, at Wembley, they'll have none of that and they'll just go out and splosh the opposition. But I also want to say, oh, well, interplayed. Mm. I think there's a bit, we may have known what Inter were going to do, but they did it extremely well. And I still, the first chance to hit the bar was a bit of a, of a freak, but I mean, it was just pressure. The, the Lukaku chance, he will, I'm sure, have nightmares about missing that because, to use the phrase, and I know that in an XG world it doesn't exist, but nevertheless, to lose the, use the phrase, he couldn't miss, and he did. So you're putting it down, uh, someone in the comments, uh, quite harshly, I thought, this morning said to us, is Lukaku the worst centre-forward to ever play in the Champions League final? <laughs> but I mean, like Chris Sutton said it was a horrendous miss, but then other, others were given a little bit of credit to Onana in goals. What, where do you stand? Horrendous? Oh, it, just hit, it just hit Edison. He had no idea. Uh, and it, it hit him so quickly that it came back and hit Ruben Diaz and nearly went in as an own goal. I mean, it was one of those where anywhere else he scores. All he has to do, he's got he's got the whole goal to aim at, and he missed it. And it's a real, real disappointment. You do feel that if Jacko still been on the pitch, it probably would have gone in. Uh, what I would say is, actually, when Lukaku came on, he caused them more threat than anyone else had in the entire match, to be honest. I thought he actually, apart from his finishing being shocking, he, he did made all the runs he needed to make. Um, and it was a shame for him, because I think they, uh, while City had been the dominant team, the three dominant team in uh, in European football this season and beyond that, and they've finally proven it. Inter deserved extra time on on Saturday night, and their fans were incredible. Like uh, really, the the atmosphere pre-game and the the stadium is so big and the pitch is so far away. It's difficult for anybody to create that. But the Inter fans were were really there, and the team seemed to feed off that, and they grew into the game, and and they they went about their task in a way that I thought was interesting and. And I, I, so a lot of the papers um, are talking about some of the players saying we're going to go on now and build a dynasty and that's what players do in the aftermath of something like this but um, it does feel as if teams are able to thwart City in a way uh, more often the games are closer it feels a little bit now as um, as uh, the big brains in European football start to go about trying to tackle Manchester City yeah, but they have to find a way. And you, you look at that game on Saturday, and yes, Inter did really, really well. But Manchester City's best player went on the pitch not fit and lasted half an hour. Um, so a fit, fully fit Kevin De Bruyne changes the game. Uh, let's hope for him that this hamstring injury tear or rupture, whatever it might be, he can be fixed. He comes back really, really strong next season. They will also, because they can, get some more players in to have more options. City are 
have moved and evolved each season under Guardiola. So they'll move and evolve again. The difference being now that they move and evolve from a position of strength. They've achieved everything. So the question now is, do those players have the motivation to start the climb again, having already climbed the biggest peak once? Well, the manager will make sure they do. And and anyone who doesn't um, live up to his expectations will not be at the club. I mean, that's what happens. Look, at if you're Cancelo, who forced your way out of the club to go and play for Bayern Munich and nearly and did was part, but only a bit part of a team that just about hung on for another dull, boring, inevitable Bundesliga ground. Did you really make the right move in January? I mean, it's a, it's a cautionary warning there. For all that um, Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus were fantastic parts of Arsenal's season, had they stayed at City, they'd now be treble winners rather than we came second winners. Um there's a bit of that in, in you know, the players' uh, mentality will be will be key. But, yes, the best coaches will look at City and think, right, well, Rudiger managed to neutralise Haaland. Serbi did to an extent, to a good extent, actually, on Saturday. If you can be physical and aggressive against Haaland and neutralise him, that takes a lot of their threat out of the way then can we hurt them? Well, probably, possibly we can. Do we actually see what's been a massive strength of City this season, which is John Stones coming into midfield, as something you can actually exploit, find a way to take advantage of that? All of these things, this is what the elite coaches do. And in the Premier League and in Europe, they will be studying the videos and trying to work out a way. And one or two of them, I'm sure, will find a way in the odd game. The question is, can... Others deliver the way of stopping them game after game after game. And that's very difficult because of the relentlessness of the way they play. But a lot of what they what have been great about City this season has been Gundogan um, and Bernardo Silva. Now, neither of them may be at the club next season. Everything changes. Constant evolution. I'm not penciling them in for a dynasty. A lot does depend on who actually fetches up next season. Plus, maybe we haven't quite seen the development of somebody like Phil Foden into the player that we know he can be or could be. So maybe that's a reason to say, okay, that's that's a plus as opposed to a, a negative, that actually there's still plenty of room for growth for Foden to become a more dominant player. Well, I thought that Foden did really well when he came on, uh, particularly in the second half. He was making those runs in behind, wasn't he? Three or four times he gets in there. Uh, he's not had a great season. That's pretty clear. Um, I think he may have picked up an injury at the World Cup. He, he certainly hasn't been, hasn't been as influential since he came back from from Qatar, he didn't really do what England were looking him to do in Qatar. But he's still a very young boy. And as you know, players' development isn't necessarily a, a consistent arc. It can be up and down. And you have a good season, a bad season, you come again. I don't think he's had, he'll feel devastated by the season. He will feel, I could have done better. But then he'll look at the medals around his chest and think, well, this is all right, I can do better. Would you have said this time last year that, Jack Grealish would become a, a starting, absolute stick-on starter in the first eleven. No. In fact, this time last year, you were wondering if they made an almighty mess uh, on Jack Grealish and might look to bin him in the summer. Things can change very quickly. Martin, in your learned football opinion, who was the better football manager, Alex Ferguson or Pep Guardiola? Ferguson stands the test of time. Ferguson achieved at two very different clubs. But Ferguson didn't reinvent football. 
And when you see what Guardiola has done and continues to do, his legacy may last for longer. I think it will. Ferguson's must never be forgotten. And interesting that one of the first people Guardiola was talking about was Ferguson. And not in a negative, oh, I've done better than him. As in, he's someone I, I respect hugely. And they do respect each other hugely. But Guardiola's ability to transform teams, to transform players, and also to win under expect pressure of expectations, I think you've got to give him the edge on it, yeah. And there is the point as well, what happens after the treble, and, and the point was made in the, in the Guardian as well, that there were missteps uh, and mistakes made by Ferguson and, and United in the year or two after the treble year. So that's something that Guardiola will, of course, look to. It gives him the motivation to, to, I guess, achieve the next thing. Well, look, I've always felt that he wanted to win the league in all five major countries, and he's done three. So at some point, he's going to want to leave to go and win the the title in Italy, probably with Juventus or Inter, uh, and in France, which therefore means PSG, just so he can be the first to win the title in all five countries. Uh, He didn't win the Champions League with... Bayern, and that was seen as a black mark against him. Uh, so he'll he'll know that he needs to 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 evolve. I just wonder how long he'll want to stay at City because of that thirst for something new and fresh. I mean, you know, he'll never be satisfied. He he wouldn't be satisfied if the opposition never touched the ball in a game, even though they have to touch it at least once for kickoff. But you know, he would um, he. Wants 100% possession, which isn't possible, and is always trying to actually achieve the impossible. That's his dream. Um, so there may come a point when he just wants something different, but he will not allow himself to settle on his laws at City. It's just not in his nature. As the season went on, he seemed to trust the squad depth less and less, that he settled on his first team and very unpep like didn't make changes didn't overthink it was like okay I know exactly what my team is going to be the shape changed a little bit but not much and the essentially back four of centre backs uh, with obviously Stones playing in midfield as a, a an auxiliary midfielder um, he settled on that kind of post World Cup and then didn't really change players like Riyad Mahrez who've been so important over the last few seasons didn't really seem to get a look in when the when push came to shove in, in the big games does this suggest that maybe the city strength and depth thing isn't in Pep's mind, and that's the important part of this, in Pep's mind, as clear as it would be to us mere mortals outside? Well, the, the, I think the argument would be he does what he does in the first half of the season so he can do what he wants to do in the second half of the season. Uh, and therefore, it will be the same next year. And you wouldn't be shocked to see City being six or seven points off the league at, off the lead at Christmas and winning their group quite comfortably because he rotates more at the start. And then when it comes to the the crunch, he goes back to what he knows works. Albeit, you know, you wouldn't have seen John Stones in central midfield at any point before it happened. Uh, and I think perhaps he learns from his own errors. Um, you know, that Champions League final against Chelsea when he completely messed it up, no question. He remembered that and was determined not to make those mistakes again. I think it helps if you know you've got the best squad of players, which he has. Um, even more so when you know you've got a centre-forward who score your 35 goals, even if he touches the ball 36 times in the entire season. Um, it is, that is obviously a slight 
over or exaggeration. Not much, though. We get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think what you will see is a similar pattern, that he'll be much more willing to try things and to trust a, a, a bigger coterie of players in the opening half of the campaign. And then let's see where we are in February, March, when it starts to matter. John Stones, um, Martin, deserves a particular conversation because he's just been remarkable. The Times, I think, described him as the Barnsley Busquets. He's just become a remarkable uh, part of this city machine and and just every single big game seemed to put in a big performance. Yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, Look, we've always known that there was a player there. There were times he's had difficult times. He's not always been smooth at all. You know, been out of the team at City. Uh, struggling in, you know, the, you, the many times you'd have thought in recent seasons, well, he, he's actually third or fourth choice centre-half at the club. Um, and now he's found this position or been developed into a position which only a genius would have seen, in, and that's Guardiola. Because let's be honest, there is not another manager in the world who just said, looked at John Stones and said, yeah, he's going to be my supreme player in central midfield. Now, you know, it, 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 it isn't conceivable, and yet that's what's happened. And he's been fabulous. And, you know, dim- confidence on the ball is remarkable. The sense of purpose when he gets delivery, the trust that the other players have in him is a, a, a testament to what he, what he does. In a team of superstars, they want him to have the ball. Now, that's not a bad thing for a converted centre-half, is it? His dribbling ability the other night was um, something that I hadn't quite realised was as high-end as it was against Inter I don't know maybe, maybe it was the occasion and, and it was the adrenaline but if he can add that to his game it's quite remarkable well we've been seeing signs of it over the last few months haven't we that there's there's something special there and he seems to have a calmness and clarity in possession uh, maybe that comes from all those years of playing as a centre half and often having time to make the ball forward it's just deli- you know, it's developed within him a, a sense of certainty and poise. Uh, and if you can keep that clarity of thought amidst the maelstrom of, of midfield, then you've already got two yards of of advantage over your opponent. Ruben Diaz as well, like his performance stepped up a notch again and um, probably the best player after Stones. Yeah, I would, I would say he was excellent, yes. I mean, he had to be because he was under a bit of pressure. Uh it's it's indicative of that you know they didn't play great uh, as a team and yet you know the goalkeeper was as nervous as a as anyone I think that actually added to their sense of anxiety the first twenty minutes every time Ed- Edison got the ball every City fan had palpitations and yet he's normally the one of the calmer players um, you, but you're right Diaz was was once again excellent and he has been all season has become a critical part of that of that side. Um, I didn't think Grealish had a bad game, but he's been really damning of himself. I think, obviously, De Bruyne wasn't as good as he might be because of the injuries. Haaland has been more effective out of the games. You could go through lots of them, but the key thing is they found a way to win. And again, even without playing well. You were... And so many times. You know, it's one defeat in the last 28. <laughs> and that was in a game that didn't matter at, at, at Brentford when the title had already been presented. Um they found the ability to do what they had to do when it mattered most. And that's a priceless asset for any team. You were rightly complimentary of Inter's performance uh, earlier, Martin. Um, was this a flash in the pan? 
European season for them or can they push on next season because I guess they even have a gap domestically on, on, on Napoli to close I think that they put a lot of investment in doing well in, in Europe they hadn't done for quite some time uh, and they were in another tough group and they've had a really series of, of really difficult draws over the last few years you know remember the the season that, that they were in the group of Spurs and Barcelona and you know that's how and every season it seems they get a tough one uh, and this time they just about, you know, they got through and then suddenly they found a bit of, of belief. Um, but they've also got to deal with one one would assume a, a different sort of Juventus. Napoli were excellent, but of course Napoli have lost their managers. So we don't know what they'll be like next season. They may sell players because De Laurentiis might feel the need to cash in. Um, and other teams, Milan as well. Lazio had a good season. You know, Lazio in the Champions League next season. Um, it, it actually looks like it might be quite a competitive league. They will want to go deep again. They've lost that sense of fear that they had in Europe. That's uh, they had a bit of a, of a negativity factor when they played in the Champions League over a number of seasons. Ever almost ever since the Benitez team that that struggled in uh, in defending the title um, in 2010-11, um, and so therefore that has now dissipated. Uh, but it's so tough. You know, you could pick 10 teams now who all all of whom would expect to be in the last eight, and that's not possible. Um, would Inter be in that 10? Not necessarily sure. They certainly think they should be in the last last 16. They wouldn't say they should be in the last eight, but there are quite a lot of others who, who will. You know, there's two in Spain, there's one in France, there's one in Germany. There'll be two or three in England plus, plus others. Martin, good stuff. We'll leave it there. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, bye-bye. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.